Hello, film lovers. Yes, it's that time of the week again. Sit down, relax, pop in your headphones, and whap out some popcorn. It is time for the Films I Love Most podcast. Film lovers, and welcome to Films I Love Most, the podcast. I'm back. It's Keith here, your presenter. Obviously, every single week I will be here delivering the best movie news, reviews, gossip, whatever you want to know about films, I'm going to let you know. Okay? Hello, it's so nice to be back. I'm very snuggled here with a cup of tea and a couple of ginger nut biscuits. So if you hear me munching, I do apologise, but I am a little bit peckish. Uh, we've got a lot coming up today, actually. We've got um, movie news, where we'll be talking about It, as in the movie It, Chapter 2. We've got our review of the week, which is, of course is going to be the new Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've seen it twice now, and I'm here to give you my verdict and the verdict of a couple of you that have written in, which was very kind. Thank you very much for that. Um, next week's podcast is going to be a Fright Fest special. So I'm going to be telling you about all the movies that I'm going to be seeing at Fright Fest. Um, a new little, um, a new ditty for the podcast. A new little segment that I wanted to add in called The Small Screen, where we're going to be talking about TV movies and TV series, which... You know, you might as well be watching a movie. A lot of TV shows these days are like watching 13-hour-long movies. Um, So, yeah, that's going to be our new little segment, the small screen. So if you're watching any TV shows on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Now TV or the BBC, let me know what you're listening and watching because I would love to know so that I can give them a watch and give them my verdict as well yes and of course film found for a pound who can forget that all of the uh, classics are back and it's so nice of you to join me here on the films i love most podcast And now it's time for movie news. Hello. Um, we're going to be talking about It, Chapter 2, which is coming out on the 6th of September, 2019, so only a couple of weeks away. If you're a fan of Stephen King, which I am a huge fan, I'm actually sitting next to my bookshelf right now with pretty much every book that Stephen King has ever written, because I'm a huge King geek. And... Um, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because I loved the first film. I thought the first film was very clever. Obviously, you guys know I'm not a fan of CGI. So the CGI Pennywise was not, 
you know, acceptable to me. But there was a good balance there of practical and CGI effects. Um, looking at the trailer for the new film, it looks the same. It looks like they're going to be using a lot of practical effects in the, in the movie, which I'm very excited about. Um, Andy Muschietti is back as director, which is great because that's going to give it a nice um, form of continuity through both movies, having the same director. Uh, Jessica Chastain is joining the cast as the older sort of generation of the kids. So we've got James McAvoy as well, Jay Ryan, James Ranson, Andy Bean, and of course Bill Stasgard is back as Pennywise, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm hoping that they can capture um, the essence of the book more than um, the TV adaption did. If any of you grew up with the TV a mini series of it you will know that the end is pretty pants with a very unrealistic giant spider attacking um our heroes and heroines but um hopefully the ending has been more um thought about for the film version because i don't want to see a crappy spider attacking James McAvoy and then him kicking it in the balls and that's pretty much the end of the film. That is not how I want this movie to end. I want it to be more like the book of King's Vision, which I'm hoping that it will be. So I'm going to be doing a huge review for it. Um, I will be going to watch it in... I'm going to watch it in IMAX, of course, because I want to see it on the biggest screen ever so I can scare the bejesus out of me. Um, but I'll be doing a full review of that when it comes out in a couple of weeks' time. So that's something for you to look forward to. Um, what else have we got? The Hunt. Jason Bloom uh, produced film The Hunt, which was recently cancelled, taken out of cinemas. Well, not even released um, because of its subject matter and because of the mass shootings in America. I know a few people were looking forward to seeing this movie because, you know, Jason Bloom has have had a a very successful run of movies recently with Halloween, The Purge series, and um, Get Out, and, and oh, what's it for? Us. The, the um, very popular films that have made a lot of money in the box office. So, to have a film taken out and cancelled is probably not the end of the world, but at the same time, you know, a lot of people were looking forward to it. So, the from what I can gather from the trailer, The Hunt is about rich people that have not so rich people kidnapped let loose into the woods and they get to hunt them you know i mean it sounds pretty awful and pretty disgusting but it has been taken out of um circulation but just uh, jason bloom has said that it's a possibility that it could be released in the future so if that was a film that you were looking forward to I'm so sorry for you that it's um, been taken out, but it will be back. Fingers crossed. Next, let's talk about Venom 2. Now, I was not a fan of the first Venom. I only went to see it because Tom Hardy is literally um, God's gift to women and gay men. So, Venom 2 is going to be directed by my little mini drum roll, Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is on board to direct Venom 2, which is a really nice surprise because even though I've only seen one film that has been directed by Serkis, which was his Netflix adaption of The Jungle Book, um, I think that he has got his head screwed on when it comes to storytelling and visual effects. 
uh, he's obviously been involved in a lot of films where he's had to, um, you know, take part in very high class visual effects, i.e. Lord of the Rings playing Gollum or the Planet of the Apes series. You know, he's had a lot of experience with that. So I'm hoping that Venom 2 might be a vast improvement on the first one. But we'll have to wait and see. But I'm very excited about him being named because um, I think he'll bring something very different to the franchise. And it's nice to see him entering the world of Marvel and seeing where he goes with that. I'd love to see an Andy Serkis uh, huge sort of Marvel Universe film in the future. So yeah, that's all your movie news, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. If you have anything that you would like me to talk about or if you've seen some shocking news on the on the internet or anything that I haven't mentioned, please let me know because I'm always eager to learn. So I went to a very popular entertainment store in Shaftesbury Avenue a couple of days ago and I had my first experience of being recognised, which was really nice. Um, I approached the till with my purchases and the gentleman on the till said, oh, hello. And I said, oh, hello, here's my purchases. And he said, oh, I recognise you. Don't you do that podcast? And I said, yes, yes, I do do a podcast. I was so overwhelmed. And he said, oh, that's amazing. Oh, you know, it's we have a lot of people that come in here that do podcasts, especially about movies, and they buy their films so they can go home and review them and put them on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, that's very similar to what I do. So do you listen to the podcast? To which he replied, no. I've just seen your face on the promotional picture as I scroll through other movie podcasts, which I listen to. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean... Thank you very much for recognising me. That's very nice. But build me up and then knock me down, my friend. You don't even listen. So, if the young man who works in the popular entertainment store in Shaftesbury Avenue, where I get my purchases, is listening now to the podcast after I gave him a bit of a guilt trip, I would just like to say, if anybody asks you, do you listen to the podcast, just say yes. It's just a nice thing to do. Scan my Blu-rays and let me be on my way with a little spring in my step. Anyway, I was recognised. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to Movie Reviews. Oh, my voice just broke. Movie Reviews. Um, So we only have one film that we're talking about this week because I have a lot to say about it. So it's going to take up our whole allocated slot. Um, It's going to take so long that I have a packet of 12 bytes right here to munch upon to get me through it. So if you hear me chomping away, then you'll know that I'm just having my chocolatey treat. Um, And of course, that film is the ninth movie from Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Here's a clip. Hey, Randy. (laughs) Well, so you're still the wreck, huh? Still here. You in there? Yeah, just not. Just, just look, just, just, just put them in the wardrobe, all right? What's it gonna hurt? Then if you need them, you got them, all right? <laughs> then they gotta have a conversation with that wardrobe assistant, and man, she's a 
bitch. I just don't. Right, please. Look, I, look Randy, I, I'm asking you to help me out, man. If the, if the answer is no, the, the answer is no. Not, not no with excuses. Hey, man. This ain't a Andy McLaughlin picture, you know? And I can't afford to hire a bunch of guys that smoke cigarettes and sit around talking to each other all day on the chance that I might use them. I got a four-man team here, Rick. If I need more than that, I gotta get it approved. And you know, I, I, I gotta look after my dudes. Hey, hey and, and if your dudes were a better match for me, I'd say, oh, okay, you got me. But, but, but that, that's not the case, and you know it. He, he's a great match for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, no. Hey, you could do anything you want to him. Throw him off a building, right? Light him on fire, hit him with a Lincoln, right? Get creative, do whatever you want. He's just happy for the opportunity. Rick? I don't dig him. And I don't dig the vibe he brings on a set. That was a clip from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The new movie from Quentin Tarantino. Now, I was lucky enough to go and see this in the IMAX in Leicester Square on Friday. We are now recording on Sunday. And um, I... Loved it. And I hated it. And I was confused. And I was bored. And I was elated. And I was doubly confused. So, let's start off with me saying that the script of this movie is second to none. Nobody writes like Tarantino. The dialogue in his movies is to die for. I don't know where it comes from. He has just got this imaginative way of two characters not necessarily seeing eye to eye with each other, but having sparkling, fizzing dialogue that usually either brings them to um, sort of conclusion of that their different views are okay, or they kill each other. I like that. There's not much death in this movie. There's not much violence, that which is usual to a Tarantino movie, until the last 20 minutes. And then if you're a little bit screamish, I would probably take a pillow with you, because it's pretty, pretty intense. But the script is amazing. I mean, nobody writes. There's a scene with Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio and a young girl... Um, on the set of the movie that they're filming. And the dialogue between them and the relationship is just breathtaking and tender. And, you know, you look at it and you're not quite sure who is the innocent and who is the adult in the relationship between them. And it's just very clever and it's, you know, status changing and the interplay between them is fantastic. Um, of course, the interplay between um, DiCaprio and Brad Pitt is electric. Them two, why have they never made a movie together before? They are so good on the screen together. Um, Brad Pitt plays Leonardo DiCaprio's stunt double in the movie, which, um, you know, you do feel sorry for him. He's very downtrodden. He's very almost forgotten about sometimes. He's He's more... DiCaprio's character's driver than anything. Now, let's just say right here that nothing that happens in this movie is real. It's not factual. In fact, I like to think of these um, Tarantino movies happening in a parallel universe. 
So things like Kill Bill, Inglorious Bastards, um, Django Unchained, and now Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they happen in an alternative dimension that is not part of part of our world and the fabric of our history because it's not a lot of things that happen in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, it's not true, you know. It's not. It didn't happen it that way. It happened in in a way which is actually more Tarantino-like, more violent, more grotesque. Um, it's just funny that Tarantino is almost using this film to right some wrongs that history afforded us, which I think is a really, really great idea. Um, I love the flashbacks to it, um, old TV shows that. Uh, DiCaprio's character were involved in using black and white um, the crackly film footage uh, putting Tarantino into old movies that already exist like The Great Escape is genius it looks so good I mean that's what digital effects should be used for not all this you know Transformers crash smash smash stuff it should be used to make subtle changes like putting Leonardo DiCaprio into a famous scene from The Great Escape. It was so good. Um, there's so much to talk about in this film. Uh, lots of like little cameos. Al Pacino's in the movie. You almost sort of forget that he's in the movie by the end. His role is not overly uh, important. And I think why when I walked out of the cinema, I thought to myself, do you know what? I have seen a future classic. Absolutely. But I don't think it's going to be a classic in the way that, for example, Pulp Fiction is a classic. I think it's going to be very um, derisive. I think that a lot of people will think um, that the way that the alternate history is handled could be a little bit unsympathetic towards certain characters. But I also think that some people might think, what a great way to honour, you know, those people that, were murdered on that night by giving them a little bit of justice in the way that Tarantino does in this film. So, taking all that into account, there were times I were as a little bit bored. Um, there were times when I was absolutely thrilled by the film. The cinematography, of course, is clever, engaging, um, period, like the what you know, the 1969 Hollywood, it feels you can just feel it oozing from the screen that time period. It's incredible. Um, is it Tarantino's best? Probably not, but then I don't think that Tarantino has made a ultimate classic movie since probably I would say the Kill Bill films. Uh, that's just my point of view. I know a lot of people do like. Um, the Hateful Eight and Django Unchained. But for me, you know, so many imitators have come through now that have grown up with Tarantino movies. It's almost like they've diluted Tarantino's um, sort of individual look and feel to a movie. Um, But I do think that Once Upon a Time in America will become a future classic. And I did like it. I just didn't love it. I I didn't love it as much as I wanted to. But I am giving it 9 out of 10. Because it is a film that deserves repeat viewing. 
it does so much for those characters that lost their lives on that night. I think it's such a tribute to them, to like you know Sharon Tate, um, Roman Polanski's wife, who was murdered while she was pregnant by, you know, the Charles Manson cult. In this film, she is given justice. She is given, you know, an alternative path, which I think is incredible and very touching at times. So it's nine out of ten for me for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Just a little bit of correspondence here about um, the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So this is from Grant in Islington. Dear Keith, just come out of a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood showing, wow, the final 20 minutes were worth the wait. Pitt shines through in the role as the put-upon stunt double and the script is electric. I'm going again on Thursday with my boyfriend. He's going to hate it. <laughs> I love the podcast from Grant in Islington. Well, that's interesting. And I hope that he doesn't hate it, Grant. I hope that he finds some appreciation in it because it is a film that deserves to be appreciated. Thank you. Coming next year, the 10th movie from Quentin Tarantino. Thumper, I'm so upset about those hunters killing my mother. Well, you know what they say, Bambi. Don't get mad, get even. Quentin Tarantino remakes the Disney classic, Bambi. You killed her mother? Dear, oh dear, bitch. Like the voice of a heavenly choir, love's sweet music goes on. Now it's time for our new segment, The Small Screen. The Small Screen, we are going to be talking about TV shows and mini-movies on the TV. Because to be honest with you, like I said before, that's what TV shows are these days. They are pretty much 8 to 12 hour long movies and they deserve to be respected as highly respected as the movie genre because a lot of work goes into them and sometimes I actually enjoy watching TV shows more than I do enjoy watching movies because they have that time to create a more interesting and prolonged narrative um, which does justice to storytelling and ultimately the project. So this week I'm going to be talking about three different TV shows. One of them is in the uh, pre-production stage and one of them is coming up and one of them has just finished. So let's talk about the just finished, which is one of my favourite TV shows of all time, The Handmaid's Tale. Now The Handmaid's Tale is based upon the novel by Margaret Atwood's and stars Elizabeth Moss as the main character of Fred, of Joseph, or June, or whatever you want to call her. So The Handmaid's Tale is based in the fictional um, state of Gilead, 
where women are oppressed, where gay men and gay women are called gender traitors and are executed, and the rule of law is basically, um, you know, it's very, hor- it's a horrible, horrible state of affairs. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to give too much away. Um, some women are used as uh, Marthas, which are like housekeepers. Uh, some are the wives of the commanders that run Gilead. And then you've got the ha- the handmaids who are basically just there for reproduction a lot of the wives are infertile so they can't have children so they use handmaids uh, the commanders have um sexual relations with the handmaids and therefore have babies that's like you know how I, it's almost like where do babies come from i'm a gay man i don't understand all of this so um yes the handmaid's tale season three has just finished absolutely incredible a lot of criticism about a slow start to the series yes of course we need to get to know our new surroundings our new characters our new environment our new threats the only way to do that is to sort of you know start off slow and build momentum so all those haters out there for season three you are wrong you know i don't want to be rude but you are and um Yes, when it came to the final three episodes, absolutely riveting. I had to watch them back to back. Um, and then I rewatched the final episode again because I just wanted to relive that um, excitement, the adrenaline, the, you know, compassion, the empathy that you have for these characters. It just, you know, like your heart is in your throat the whole time because you just want them to, to survive and to do well and to escape. Some do, some don't. I'm not giving it away. What I will say is The Handmaid's Tale um, is not an easy watch. It's not for everybody. But if you give it time and you enjoy it, or if you like the book, if you've read the book, I studied the book at A-level. So I was very familiar with the, the concept of Gilead and The Handmaid's when I came to the TV show. But what I would say is, um, you know, it's not a show that you can binge watch an episode a night because you need that 24 hours to sort of get over the um the events of which hap- which happen in each episode but you'll enjoy it and it's um interesting and like someone once said we are literally a heartbeat away from the world becoming the handmaid's tale so politically culturally it's very important so yes if you can the handmaid's tale is available on blu-ray and DVD now. Next coming next Sunday. Who's excited? I am. Peaky Blinders is back. Can you believe it? It's been, I think, like two years, I think, since the last series. And I'm very excited. Very, very excited. I'm currently re-watching the last season because I wanted to refresh my memory. But those Peaky Blinders are back um, it's be- recently been revealed that um, they are going to be putting on a Peaky Blinders festival where you can go dressed up as a Peaky Blinder. They've got bands, they've got um, beer tents and food and it's going to be a proper festival. And I I would not be surprised that in, if in a few years time it is a festival which is as big as maybe Latitude and uh, the Finsbury Park uh, festival which is you know like maybe not as big but culturally and um cult very very popular um yeah so i can't wait and the peaky blinders is back 
on Sunday, this Sunday coming. Um, very, very excited about that. Uh, please let me know what you think about the new series. Moving on to our show, which is in pre-production. Anyone a fan of Neil Gaiman here? My hand is up. Good Omens was a fantastic show which recently came out on Amazon Prime. Um, loved it. Obviously, American Gods, which is also on American um, Amazon Prime, is one of my favourite shows. Also one of my favourite books. I adore Neil Gaiman. But he's taking on a passion project, um, which I'm really looking forward to. And that is the remake of, of Gormenghast. Now, I'm a huge fan of Gormenghast because Gormenghast was a TV show... I think it was like 2002, 2003 that they made a series of it on the BBC and it um, was very close to my heart because I really, really enjoyed watching it on a Sunday night and I was allowed to stay up to watch it. And we used to talk about it at school. Like I had a very select group of friends, i.e. geeks, who um, would always sit around and talk about, wow, did you watch Gormenghast last night? Oh my goodness. Gormenghast is about Titus Grown, a young uh, lad that is born in the palace of Gormenghast and it's about his journey from birth to becoming the ruler of Gormenghast and it's very there is a hint of Lord of the Rings there is a sort of hint of like um, darkness to the story but if any of you have read the books then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about and you will also be very excited for the new series so it's in pre-production at the moment so we don't know when it's going to be out, but I'm hoping that it's going to be out probably within the next couple of years. And of course, I'll still be here recording my lovely podcasts. So we'll be able to review those episodes when they are released on our new segment, The Small Screen. Do not forget, my little horrors, that I will be at Fright Fest on Sunday. So I will not be there on Friday, I will not be there on Saturday, I will be there on Sunday and I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm a huge Arrow video collector um, and I appreciate all the work they do for those cult films, re-releasing them, giving 4K restorations and creating some amazing, amazing extras. Um, and the festival that they put on, Fright Fest, is going to be incredible. There's some great movies coming up. I will be reviewing all of them next week. So if you're not a horror fan, I'm not going to lie to you, next week will probably not be your cup of tea. But I will also try and maybe, you know, put something a little bit more rom-commy in for you. Maybe if we get a film found for a pound next week that is a little bit more light-hearted, then I'll, you know review that for you just so that there's something for everyone so if you do see me at fright fest and you just recognize my face you might not might not listen to the podcast <clears throat> but if you do recognize me please come up talk to me we can have a little interview on on uh, the podcast about the films that you've seen and uh, that you're looking forward to don't be scared i don't bite <laughs> film found for a pound doink um, I'm, I'm still working on the jingles. Um, yes, it's Film Found for a Pound. Welcome. Had quite a lot of correspondence about this this week. A lot of you are loving getting out there and hitting those charity shops and trying to find that film found for a pound. But we do have an interesting letter here. Dear Keith, hello. I'm from Brisbane. Oh, it's very nice to know that you're listening down under. 
I recently went to a store that deals in rare movie memorabilia in search of a birthday present for a friend. I came upon the DVD selection and saw that a lot of the movie covers were signed. How exciting. To my horror, I found a film not for a pound, but for $500. (sighs) Oh my word. I don't even know what the exchange rate is, but I know that that is a lot of money. What was it I hear you cry? What was it? It was Pulp Fiction, signed by Tarantino himself. I passed and brought a limited edition copy of... Killer clowns from outer space instead. <laughs> Enjoying the podcast from Thomas in Brisbane. Thank you, Thomas. I mean, I, I mean, you know, hopefully the killer clowns from outer space was slightly cheaper. But wow, you know, a film found for five hundred dollars doesn't have quite the ring to it. But thank you very much for that. But yes, anyway, we're here to talk about film found for a pound. And my word, we had some. So we got melancholia. Um, which is from Lars Van Tier, which is probably his most accessible movie, seeing a lot of his other movies are literally um, vomit-inducing to me anyway. Uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, that's always a popular one. Um, oh, Belleville Rendezvous. Oh, I'm, my French is, is rusty. Uh, the Twins um, of Belleville, I think it's called in English, which is an animated movie, which is cute as it's such a good film. Uh, the Great Escape, perfect. Dream Girls, Children of Men, love it. The Grudge, ooh, ooh, love The Grudge. Um, one of the scariest films I saw as a kid. But um, I have chosen, and there is a reason for me choosing this, I have chosen the movie The Devil's Backbone. Guillaume del Toro at his all well utmost best. Fantastic. So um ghost story set in Spain, um dark, it's delicious horror. Um it's the tale of the Spanish orphanage during the final days of the Spanish Civil War. And there's young boys there that are being sort of terrorised by soldiers and terrorised by a ghost. And the film is, it's one of those films that does what horror should do. It affects you on many levels. It gets you in the feels, but also gets you in the frights. So you should be scared, but also there should be an emotional connection. That's what horror is to me. I don't like gross out horror. I don't like horror like Saw and the Hostel movies. They're not my bag. I like things that actually have some intelligence and human emotion behind them. It's one of the first Del Toro films I saw, that and Pan's Labyrinth. If you are a fan of Pan's Labyrinth, you will absolutely adore The Devil's Backbone. It's got a very similar film. Um, it delves into mythology. It's got the period setting, so that that for that almost is horrific in itself because it's not a a place or a time that we identify with. But there's a lot of horrors going on in the real world, but also in the supernatural world as well. There's there's something unearthly going on, which is fantastic. And the Devil's Backbone is a ten out of ten from me because I remember watching that film for the first time and thinking. This is the reason why I love film, because it's a mixed genre 
classic film which has something to tell everybody, everybody that watches it, whether you like horror or not, can take something away from that movie. So The Devil's Backbone is our film found for a pound, doink. Now it's time for Film I Love Most, and this week we're going all the way over to Belgium to speak to the lovely Lynn about the film that she loves most. The film I love most is Pride. Um, It's a film by the BBC from 2014, and the reason I love it so much is because it's just such a beautiful story, Um, and it's a true story, which I really like as well, because you can... You know, you can remind yourself, well, this really happened. People really found each other and really connected in the way that they do in the story. Other than that, it's also very well acted. It's got some great music in it. And um, I think a big part of it as well is it makes me believe in people. (laughs) Um, It made me cry, but in the end, I think it's also a very uplifting film. And I always leave that film with feeling slightly better about the world than when I started it and I think that's a very important thing. Thank you very much Lynn. Uh, Pride is obviously a film which is very close to my heart um, being part of the LGBT community. Um, It's a lovely story, it's a true story and it really shows how people from two very very different backgrounds who share one thing in common can come together and create a understanding and a new way of living together and understanding each other. And it's beautiful and it's very, very, very well done. Um, a very an emotional movie. The music in it is great. Uh, the final scenes of the march in London, Pride March is just, you know, heartwarming and unforgettable and just shows you that, No matter what's going on in the world at the moment, no matter who our leaders are, we must remember one thing. People have fought for a very long time for the rights that they deserve. And we must make sure that those people retain those rights and that we look after them and that we accept people in all walks of life. We need to stand together and understand that we are all human beings. We all want the same things in life. And that, not only that, but we deserve them. So I give Pride 10 out of 10 because I am proud and so should everyone be. That's it, my dirty land lovers. I don't know what just happened there. Um, That is your lot for the week. That is it. Um, Thank you so much for joining me here at the Film I Love Most podcast. I really appreciate you all for listening and please, please don't forget to get involved. This podcast is nothing, nothing without you. So please do not forget to get in touch. You can um, send me a voice memo to filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com 
um, just record a voice memo, send it to me about the film that you love most and I will play it on the podcast. If you have any comments or if you want to tell me about a film that you've seen recently that you love and you think that I should be watching or even a TV show for the small screens news section, then please, please let me know. Because like I said, I can't do this. If I don't have any listeners, then what's the point? It's just me sitting in a room talking to myself. And do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, that is that is pretty weird. So get involved, guys. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and find out what's been going on in the world of film. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I will see you next week for our Fright Fest special. Sleep well, guys. Don't have bad dreams. Bye. Bye.